wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. get into that and then uh preview daytona and then is there any news about happenings at daytona that we've missed i don't know i already hit record though oh, cool it's all right go ahead welcome back to auto off topic hello brad hello andrew how are you i am great excellent that's positive news Podcast over. uh, Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing. Join the Discord and you can just feed us pedantic corrections right into our phones. Yeah, you should listen to us and then be like, those guys are idiots and I want to tell them. And on the Discord, you can do that. All right. I've got a correction about the GTP cars we were talking about. Yes, sir. From Bradley Brownell. (coughs) Excuse me. The GTP cars all have standard a standard Bosch hybrid unit. So I'll use the same one. I remember seeing this during the broadcast. Yep. It's like they had them as units. They could swap them in. Uh, it makes 150 horsepower and is largely used to help power the cars off the corners. And they run electric only when they leave the pit. Correct. And Cadillac's got NA V8s. Porsche and BMW is a turbo V8. Acura uses a turbo V6. The interesting fact about that is that the hybrid system in each car yeah. is identical, standardized. So the engines Pretty cool. the engines have their own, you know, manufacturer specs, but then each car has the same Bosch motor generator and the same seven speed X track transaxle. And the same mm-hmm. 1.35 kilowatt battery operating through 800 volts. So, yep. And the the limit on the cars was 671 horsepower combined. So at no time can the car make more than 671 horsepower to the rear wheels. So if the engine is capable of almost that, then it can't use full hybrid battery power to make more than that. 671 horsepower sounds arbitrary, but it translates to 500 kilowatts. So that's where it comes from. Ah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, they have adjustable regen. There was a couple other things in the car that were, um, you know, different this year from the old, you know, G- uh, the old prototype cars of the past. Uh, and as far as that, that power, uh, IMSA was monitoring it the whole race. So they have a telemetry system built into the drive unit that can tell 
IMSA at any time what power that car is putting down. If the car breaks that 500 kilowatt number, then there would be a penalty assist. So it's, uh, it's interesting, but I, I don't, it's, it's definitely technology being driven in motorsports. That's going to wind up being put into production cars eventually. Right. That's what motorsports essentially has always been. Yep. So the neat thing is, though, is that the system they were using with their hybrid electric unit and with the engine uh, electronic engine management system that's running the engine, some of the cars were capable of putting out that full 671 horsepower directly from the engine. But when they used that hybrid unit, they had to basically pull power from said engine to use the hybrid unit. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird setup. Like it's there, but if the hybrid unit went haywire, the car would still be just as fast. The only difference would be it would be using probably more fuel, I assume, so it would be less efficient and then yeah. have to make more stops. But it's interesting. It's definitely and, a new a new thing. I think they where it when you leave the pits, that's when it like pops the clutch and starts the engine yep so you don't have to use a starter i think they were talking about that in the broadcast well the the article i was reading about it was talking about how the engine software they're using is obviously super advanced i mean these are gtp race cars these aren't you know somebody's home-built hot rod and it's so efficient and so well monitored that if they were using the hybrid regen system that regen system would put a drag on the drive line, right? So if say right. you're trying to regen the battery system and the onboard telemetry in the car would be like, oh, this particular regen is sapping our drive line of 68 horsepower right now. So they could change timing and fuel maps or boost or whatever on the fly to make up the 68 horsepower that the regen system was taking from the car during regen. It's significantly more complicated than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, because I'm i assuming they're using the electric motor to make up for low-end torque. Well, there were a couple of things. It was gearing-wise for efficiency, so they can use the electric motor to accelerate the car, like you said, because the lack of lower-end torque, but it's not the car doesn't have enough torque for movement. The car is geared for you know the higher speeds and geared for oh, right. coming out of corners and whatnot. It's not geared for <clears throat> zero to... 85 or whatever so it helps yeah it helps that torque curve right there and then it also makes it so that if a driver's in the car and he's like listen man i got another 10 laps 20 laps in me before i have to come in and he's within the the bubble of the driver's limit of a stint then having that electric motor in there and the regen system can extend that beyond the old fuel window so the car could stay out longer right. between a driver change. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like if one team had done it, it would have been a significant advantage, but it didn't fit in the rules. So they made this whole class to fit these cars and all these manufacturers had to build these cars to play in this class. But it's neat. And I mean, listen, like I said, you see racing has always been developing technology on the racetrack to trickle down into cars. And this is almost the opposite. Like, there haven't been a lot of hybrid race cars and 
race hybrids on the street are commonplace. So now we're having hybrids in race cars, but they're probably using some of this technology to develop into street cars because, I mean, some of that technology, like that whole making up horsepower to make up for <laughs> for parasitic loss, could be a huge thing in street cars in the future. Who knows? But it's 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 neat technology. Um, I'm glad that Bradley corrected us on our uh, our statement and made me look into it a little bit deeper. So, thank you for that uh, that correction, Bradley. All right, Riley Santini. Uh, he's an OEM engineer, yep. and he just reminded us that pretty much everything. This is about the Bronco roof. Uh, automotive is tested from negative forty to one hundred and twenty plus Fahrenheit. So, right. yeah, obviously they're talking about the that Bronco roof, roof. Did maybe it yeah. hit below those numbers? Yeah, even if it didn't hit below those numbers, one yes. of the things that it's like, it's an outlier. You know, Ford was expecting, like, you know, hey, maybe this, if this happened, for if, if it truly did crack just from temperature and it wasn't because it was negative 25 degrees and something fell on it, then Ford can be like, well, this is an outlier. We need to find out why it happened. So I'm assuming we haven't heard the whole story there yet because that story kind of fell by the wayside. And... I'm sure that if there Something was more merit it. to it, yeah, we might have heard more from it by now. So, anyway, more corrections. Thank you. Yeah, so come join the Discord because also there is a Dirt Rally Championship. Which by the time I think this podcast goes up, you might be have already missed the first one if you haven't done it. Uh. I started it two weeks ago on Wednesday. So the first leg of the event was Monte Carlo, six stages. It went for two weeks so people could get their stuff together. And the next one is going to be Sweden. And it's going to only go for a week. So it'll be a lot less time to do it. Right. And I, of course, the forever procrastinator, have not done it yet. So... I should probably give you two weeks. I literally have not turned my Xbox on in probably a year. I should probably do that and get all set up. So. You should just turn it on at least uh, in the morning because uh, it's going to go through updates, I'm sure. I'll turn it on right now while I'm sitting in front of it. <laughs> I plan on doing it tomorrow, so I'll get it all taken care of. No stress. Well, yeah, as long as it's... Cause I think I started at noontime. Eastern, so I don't. Well, tomorrow's Tuesday, check so it should gonna... be good. Oh, okay, right. All right, so you got, you got like, you know, thirty hours. Yeah, that's fine. If it takes me more than thirty hours, I've lost anyway. All right, and the way I do these, there are six stages. It takes you about a half hour to do it if you want to sit down for the whole thing, or you can, when you get to a service, you can pause it. Basically, pause yep. it, come back. What doesn't take a half well, hour try to put a... is all the practice you have to do ahead of time in order to be successful. And I haven't played <clears> the game <throat> in a long time, so I'm going to need 28. I did like one <laughs> and just like went for it. Okay. I feel like with that game, sometimes I'm a little bit better if I just show up. Sure. Because otherwise I get in my head about it's it. like beginner's luck. And I'm like, oh, I was so fast. I was so fast during practice. And then I just go too hard and ruin the actual timed part well i think i will at least need a re-familiarity with with the game so 
Maybe I'll do one or two and then I'll try it. Excellent. Moving on. What's next? Yep. I don't know. I think Project Car updates. Uh, have you done anything or else. has it been not good weather out there? I did the hatch struts to Stephanie's car. Oh, big one. You know, super hard. Yep. Some cars are annoying on. This one doesn't seem like it, though. Her car is actually really easy. Does it have the type with the because strap on the ends that like it's like a metal strap that you pull off? Well, actually, it came with a new ball uh, joint part. Okay. So you just had to unbolt it from the hatch and not even pop it out of the strut piece. That's interesting. Yeah. And I put a new one in. It's cool because the old one was all rusty. So it's new. And then the other half of it was just two 10 millimeter bolts, which the new ones came with new bolts in it. So I got four 10 mil bolts. So to throw in the toolbox on one of those one end has a bracket and the other end has the ball socket. The bracket also has a ball socket on it, but it comes with a brand new bracket. Oh, it's interesting. Were they OEM? Yeah. They must have been OEM. Yes. Okay, that's why. I could not find aftermarkets. Interesting. Yeah, and they were not cheap. It was annoyingly expensive. Because I've done struts on the trunks of a couple of Sonatas. Because we have a couple Sonatas in the family, and they go bad eventually. And they have the kind yeah, of... Those are probably little baby ones, though. Little short ones, right? They're pretty long, actually. They're much longer than you would think because the trunk opens beyond a normal trunk. It like, almost lays flat against the, win- the back window. Yeah, the G20 is like yeah, that. Yeah, it opens way up, and their struts are a little bit longer than I would assume for a trunk strut. But the way they go in there is they have that little... I guess it's like a metal strap that clamps around the ball socket, and you pop that little strap yeah. off, and it, it comes off, so... Again, they're not they're not tough to use. You just need to get a pick in there and pull them off. So, but some have some in my past have been annoying. Like the ones in the Eclipse are not fun because you got to pull off all the plastics for the lower the lower ball socket, and it's a pain in the butt. So, well, ones like the nine forty yeah, the nine forty four ones almost are part of the glass, and it's a huge process. You can almost get the ones. In the talon. The driver's side but, you can do. The passenger <clears throat> side you have to disassemble. In my experience. I don't my remember disassembling yeah. to do it. But all I remember is that the hatch is like 50 or 70 pounds. Yeah, it's not light. So you're like trying to do it while it's crushing your head. I mean, or you do what I did and you just put a broom handle in there. Yeah, but then I have to go find a broom handle. Or a friend, and I don't have any friends to help me. That's so I, I, I moved away. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, a, uh, a, I usually use a broom handle, and it's usually a broom in the garage. So it's easy enough just to twist the handle up. Or you use the jack handle, the jack in the garage. There are lots of ways to have done it, Andrew. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. You could let it be broken. I got to actually change those. You could let it be broken for another three years and have Marco hold it up when he's old enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't even drive the car enough. They just go bad just sitting. I mean, they, they go through cycles of heat and cold, especially in New England like that. So they do go bad. I I think I've gone through two or three sets in that car's life. Yeah. That I've owned it. So Which is more than half the car's life. So Yeah. Actually I did the I did the Corolla ones when I first got it too. Those were also fairly simple. 
and very long. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, right? I've had the car longer than it how old it was when I got it. Yeah, it's like almost double. No, actually double because yeah. you bought the car in yep. 2000 or 2001? 2001. Okay. It was 1990. Yep. So it was 11 years old. Now it's 2023. <laughs> yeah. So you've had it for 22 years. Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> Did you buy a drink? Yeah. That's, that's a long time. I have not. I've had the, the only thing, like, I've had my Camaro, obviously, but other than that, I don't, I've never had a car that long, have I? I don't have anything from 2001. I, know, I had the Galant. Galant was 2011. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did What car did you buy in 21? G20. All right. So now you have to keep all those cars forever because every 10 years you buy a forever car. Oh, I guess That's so. That's a pattern. <laughs> so whatever you buy in 20... G20 is kind of a forever Whatever car. happens in 2030, you want to stay with you too, so... I've, I've now damaged you to that forever. So you did hatch struts on the Subaru. I finished the Corolla wagon. Well, finished. I finished the project I had started last week. So I think uh, after yeah. last week, I had the fenders off the car. And I had put the fenders back onto the gentleman who I traded fenders with and sent him on his way. Yeah, you talked about trading with yep. him. But I didn't put the fenders on my car because my intention was to paint up under the fender. Um, yeah, I did not do that because every day, okay. every day that I had a chance to paint the fender, it was like thirty mile an hour wind gusts here, and I was just super annoyed and tired of waiting. So I just put the car together. <laughs> so you, it's not a big deal to paint up under. It's there. not a big deal, and you can't really see much anyway because the fenders, the tires really fill the fenders, and what they don't fill, they have fender liners. So it's pretty it's pretty well covered inside, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, I'm super happy with it. I can't even express how happy I am with how it came out. It looks really good. Those those wheels cleaned up really well. Yeah, I mean, the wheels look better. I kind of thought they would. They look much better in pictures. Like, if you see them up close, they're, they're not great. But the car is not great. <laughs> So it works just I've fine. I've seen worse wheels. I've definitely seen worse. And when I tell you that I put probably eight hours into cleaning them, that's, uh, that's not an exaggeration. I was in the garage all day. And I was like sore from my lower back to my shoulders by the time I was done. Because I went through two batteries on the you know 12-volt Milwaukee. I went through two batteries and a ton of polish and what i was using was uh, mothers i think it is not mcguire's they used to make that polish ball or they still make that polish ball that you can put in a drill but they also have one that's cone shaped so i yeah. bought the cone shaped one in order to, to buff the wheels because you get into like the the smaller areas between the bolts and stuff better so rewind a little bit um i got the wheels from you i don't know actually probably about a year ago because i Brought them out here, stacked up in the Saab. So that was January of 22. Knowing I was going to put them on something, the initial plan was to put them on the Cressida. But then I got a Corolla, and they fit the style of the Corolla so well. So they needed to be cleaned up, because you bought them from Japan, and didn't do much of them. It's pretty typical. Yeah, they're just old. You know, they're pitted and dirty, and just... Yeah, a lot of the stuff that you'll find on Japanese sites is like that. That's like 
pretty cheap. Yeah, because they sat in a junkyard. Probably. And then it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. People just didn't take care of them. Like, uh, like the, they're not Watts, but they're black racing. The black racing version of my of Watts that are on the G20 were like super super dirty. Right. But then when I cleaned them up when I got here, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like. Why don't they just clean them before they try to sell them? My my assumption is the car goes to the junkyard and they take the wheels off and sell them separate. And they just you're basically buying them from a junkyard. That's my assumption. That's why they're cheap. So I, I don't know for sure, but anyway, so I used the um yeah the name brand of polish I've been using all the time now, Chemical Guys. Chemical Guys, a combo of their heavy polish, heavy metal polish, and light metal polish. I probably should have put like a polish, like actual like protecting wax coat on afterwards, but I didn't do that yet because I was just literally out of steam. So I did that for an entire day. That was one of the days that I was going to be painting and didn't paint because I spent all day cleaning wheels, but they cleaned up halfway decent enough. They had metal valve stems in them. So I took them out because I don't know if you know how metal valve stems work, but they like bolt onto the wheel and I... All the Japanese wheels come like that, and I always take them out. Okay. Just put regular rubber ones So in. they have metal valve stems on them, and the way they mount is they, they bolt onto the wheel. They've got a thread on the back, and there's a rubber yeah. seal top and bottom. And the problem is mm-hmm. that rubber seal was, like, super hard plastic. Yeah. But I loved how they looked. So I said, I bet I can buy these pretty inexpensively with brand new nice rubber seals. Mm-hmm. So I did. I went on Amazon. Uh, apologies to all our uh, Amazon haters, but I went on Amazon. It was $9 for 20 of them. So I bought a package of them. Um, super happy with them. They're nice and short. They have that nice chrome finish that matches the lip. They look really cool. So that's a bonus. Next step was tires. And I went back and forth. I went back and forth with you and people on Discord with tires for a while because obviously... 14 inch wheels there's not a ton of options right like there aren't a lot of cars that use 14 inch wheels anymore there are specialty companies making very very nice 14s but there's nothing there's not a ton of options in like the i just want a decent set of tires you have a ton of chinese tires from the companies like ling long and all these other off brands that you don't know and most of them have a really bad looking sidewall so the size that I really wanted was a 185, 50 or 55, 14. Because that would give me enough width to not be really skinny and a small enough side wall that I would be fairly equivalent to the 195, 60s that I took off. But those 195, 60s or 195, 50s, excuse me, 195, 50s, that I took off were stretched. So that means that the overall height of the tire was lower than it would have been if they were mounted on a proper size wheel. So I knew if I went with a 185, 65 or 70, it would be the same overall height as the 195, 60s that were on there, but they'd actually wind up being too tall because the tires that were on there barely fit height wise. And like I said, they were stretched a good amount because that was a literally a nine inch wheel on the back of the car. So I know you are not a huge fan of stretched tires. I am not a huge fan of stretched tires. The car actually drove not great with those tires on it. 
So I was looking to get rid of stre- the stretch look, obviously, and the tires, sorry, the wheels that I was switching to were a 14 by 6. So it's significantly smaller than the 15 by 8, 15 by 9 combo that was on the car, which a 1980 Corolla has no business having a 15 by 9 wheel on it. Like that's the car came with like 13 by four and a half. That's <laughs> that's an obnoxiously large wheel for that car. So going down to the 14 by sixes is an aggressive up from the original factory size, but it's a nice period correct look for the car. I shouldn't say 15 by nines have no business being on the car. If that's the look you're into, that's fine. It's just not the look I'm into. I want something that looks more period. Like I want the car to look like somebody owned it in 1980 and modified it. Maybe the second owner in 1982 modified it and put those wheels on it. You know what I mean? So I wound up going with backtrack a little bit. One of the best tires in the 14 inch sizing is the Falcon. Was it RT 615 K now? RT-615K? Yes. So those come in a 195.60. But I also know that that particular tire runs smaller overall, as far as overall sidewall height, than a 195.60 like normal passenger car tire, because they have a more square profile to them. And they've always been just a little bit shorter. So I was like, that's probably going to be a little large. Maybe I'll do it. I'm annoyed because I don't want to run these like super cheap Chinese tires and you were kind of shaming me into buying the nicer Falcons because you're right. The tread patterns look weird. The sidewalls look bad. Not that the Falcons are period correct for the car either, but at least they'd be purposeful, but I couldn't bring myself to do it <laughs> because those tires were $111 each plus installation. By the time all was said and done, I would have been into them for like almost $600. And I don't need an aggressive like autocross track day tire on the car right now because they haven't dialed in the suspension. It needs the suspension like gone through, not just dialed in. It needs new shocks, struts, uh, bushings in the front. I have plans to do all this down the road, but those tires also don't have great tread life. So without my suspension settings being like 100% dialed in, I didn't want to put on these tires that were going to aggressively wear out for more money than I get other tires for. There is a company now called GT Radial. I don't know if you've heard of them at all. They're, I have. they're a Chinese tire company, but they make their tires for the American market in South Carolina. So that's kind of cool. At least they're an American hmm. manufactured tire. They look very much like a BF Goodrich radial TA as far as the overall design of the tire is, which is a tire that would have been available in the early 80s. So it fit aesthetically on the car. Um, The sidewalls don't look terrible. And it says like GT radial or radial GT, which is better than saying Ling Long or Crosswind or some other tire name that sounds ridiculous so it just they look fine they look they're they're better and they're 60 bucks each so all told tires ordered mounted balanced on the car was less than 400 bucks so i think that was a a pretty good deal for for a decent tire and it's got a 60,000 mile tread life or a 50,000 mile tread life so they're not going to wear out right away. Not that tread life matters tremendously on a car I don't drive every day, 
But like I said, I just I didn't need Nautocross tire. I wanted something that looked decent, and these fit the bill. And I think after you've seen a picture of them, they don't look terrible, right? So I think I did okay. Oh, yeah, I think I did okay. So I bought them from uh, uh, our big tire shop out here. Well, it's not like just out here. It's a big tire shop all over the country, Discount Tire. So they have, we have a credit card with them that's actually 0% interest for six months on every purchase over 200 bucks. So it just makes sense to buy tires from them and and pay them off that way because it's, it's just easier. So there is a slight story at the tire shop. I brought them the wheels with the specific instructions that like, hey, these are not replaceable. I can't get new ones. They're very old. Please let me know if they're out of round. Also, here are four brand new valve stems of the chrome metal variety. Can you put those on, on the wheels for me? And the guy's like, yeah, of course. Those, these are these are awesome. I love these. The guy was totally into it. So he says, come back in, you know, one o'clock or so and pick them up. It's perfect. That'll give you time to go home and actually hang the fenders in the car. <laughs> so I dropped them off, came back here to put the fenders in the car. Started working on that. I got a call at like noontime, but they were ready. Went down to pick them up. They had the rubber valve stems in them. And I was like, oops, it's annoying. The guy's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Like, he noticed it like before he even brought them out to me. He goes, I just noticed they had rubber valve stems in them. He goes, I'm going to have them slap those, take the tires back off or break them down and change the valve stems for you. So I was like, all right, I don't have to complain about that. That's, he's like, it'll probably take us 20 minutes. Do you mind waiting? That's absolutely not. That's fine. The problem with that is now I'm betting the tire installer is annoyed because he's going to do this whole job again. And he obviously rushed through it the second time because I got it back and as we talked about earlier, there's a rubber seal on the top and bottom of these valve stems. And each and every one of them, he over-tightened. And the rubber seal was like ovular, no longer round, and like pinched in between the wheel and the valve stem. So I was like, I went back inside the shop and I was like, hey, these are going to leak. He sprays water. I was like, they're not leaking. I was like, yeah, they're not leaking now. I said, but the seal is not on the wheel correctly. <laughs> These are going to leak eventually. And I'm going to be annoyed because I'll go out to drive my car and I'll have a flat tire. I was like, and I don't want that. I'd rather you just fix these for me. Because not only is, are they going to leak, but they look bad. Like they had like a big black sp- spot next to the valve stem. Like, can we just fix these? <laughs> He's like, oh, we already broke them down twice. I'm like, not really my fault. <laughs> so manager comes out looks at him he's like talks to Katie. he's like dude like you obviously over tighten these he's like i know the customer brought these but we actually do install these in some of our wheels you know how to do this what are you doing so they took them all back in again and i don't think they had to break them down to fix them they were able to fix them from the outside so so far so good but they look a lot better they're on the car car looks awesome giving it that much more sidewall than I had before, not having stretched 195 60s and having like actual like period correct meaty sidewalls. I mean, the car doesn't ride great because it's got cut springs and four inch blocks in the back, but it rides a lot better than it did. It's not nearly as punishing. Not every little crack in the road you can feel. And on top of that, it just looks cool. 
It sits, it's got a great stance. It's everything I envisioned when I got the car in the first place. So the next thing on the car is going to be the exhaust. I need to fix the two like sideways four inch tips that come out the back or three inch tips at the back or how big they are. They're big and put on something that's a little more also era and style appropriate. And on top of that, make the car a little bit quieter because it is pretty loud. So, but I'm stoked. It sits really nice. I took a couple quick snapshots that I put on my personal Instagram page yesterday, just in the driveway, but I haven't had a chance to take it out and like take some proper pictures. So hoping I have some time tomorrow. Actually, I have to use it to pick up some parts. So I'll be able to, uh, to do that. Actually, that's a, a future project car update. I can do that right now too. Um, oh, also one of the fenders had like, uh, numbers you'd put in the side of like a boat that said eight, three, which is the year the car, the fenders came off of were. So the round headlight Corollas like mine are one year only. They're 1980 only. And that's it. In 81, they went to a square headlight and a much bigger triangle turn signal. So the fenders are totally different. So the car they came off of was actually an 83, but somebody had swapped the nose to an 80 nose because they had preferred the quad rounds over the square headlights. So whoever owned the car previous to the guy who owns it now had put 83 on the fender, I'm assuming for the year because it makes sense. But like I said, they weren't like anything other than stickers that you buy at Home Depot with numbers on them. So they definitely did not fit my style. And on top of that, it was the wrong year for the car. So I was able to remove those because I'm very experienced with removing stickers now from buying the 944. I was able to remove those with some goo gone and the rubber wheel and get those off pretty quickly. So that's off the car now too. But uh, tomorrow I have to go pick up some parts, actually RX-7 parts because I have a long dormant RX-7 problem back east. Problem is a problem. Project back east. And one of the parts that I've never been able to find is a front bumper. For the correct mm. S2 style front bumper with the body collar rub strip and mm. everything. Well, I went down to a to the body shop that did my Cressida, the body man that did my Cressida. When he did my Cressida, he was working out of his house, but he started his own shop now in Tempe. So I went down there last week to talk to him about doing a couple small things on the Corolla. And he was doing an RX-7 convertible in the paint booth. And he was showing me everything he was doing. And it's a full aftermarket, like wide body drift car kit. And I was just talking to him about it. And I was like, oh, I was like, if you ever do come across a front bumper for one of these, I am looking for one. I do have this same car. It's a white 91 convertible, just like this one. And he goes, oh, you can probably have the one that came off the car. And I was like, okay. He's like, well, he just said to get rid of everything that was on the car because he doesn't need it anymore because we're going full custom. He's like, so everything that was in the car, you can just have. And I was like, you get fenders okay. too? Okay. No fenders, but I already have fenders, so that's fine. Okay. So I got a front bumper cover. I got almost a complete interior. A set of wheels. And a convertible top. And a bunch of other odds and ends. So, Neat. yeah, the car is being built into a full race car, so he doesn't need any of that stuff. So I get 
Full race car convertible. Yeah, it's a drift car. Hmm. Whatever. Oh, yeah. They like to do that. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, they put the full cage in there. They do, like, the exo cage. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, but it looks like it was a really nice car to start with, so it's kind of a shame. But there's also, like, a million of these convertibles out there. So, but now I have a nice mint condition front bumper for the car. So, that's the last step in that car. Unfortunately, the gentleman in Massachusetts who is going to fix the front of the car uh, is not is having some issues health-wise and currently not working as a body man and may not be ever coming back to it. So I need to find somebody else to do the work. But at least now I have the bumper because that was one of the last pieces that I needed. So a friend of ours has been talked about in the podcast before, has a parts car RX-7 with the front inner sheet metal that I need. I just need to get that from him next time I'm in New England. So that thing's going to move along pretty quickly because... Everything's got to get done, right? So that's the next one to get done. But yeah, that's my project car updates for the week. Pretty, uh, cool. pretty productive week, actually. Yeah, I like the way the wagon came out. It looks good. Thank you, thank you. No, I'm pretty stoked on it. I did a uh, a ton of a ton of a ton of work in a short period of time, I think, and uh, I've made it very different. I'd like to change the um, or repair the rear fenders and a couple of things, but overall I need to just buckle down and get it done. So I'm happy so far. It'll be this weekend is shakedown at four to four, so I plan on bringing it out for its first like public unveiling. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Anyway, what else is going on, Andrew? Uh, not much. We have Daytona coming up. We do. Yeah, it's been uh, Sunday of sports because we had the Clash two weeks ago. This week was Super Bowl, and next week is Daytona. Uh, yeah, so qualifying must be this qualifying week. Qualifying is this week. So, And I know, you know, Pastrana announced that he was stepping back from a lot of racing, but I believe he was still intending to try to qualify for the Daytona. Pastrana is going to be the Daytona. Well, he's going to at yeah. least try to qualify for Daytona. Attempt to qualify. Yeah. yeah. I think he's doing it with 23XI, right? Or 2311, I guess. Yeah. So he's driving the 67 car. It'll be interesting. I don't know if he's going to... I don't know what the qualifying rules are or who's qualifying or how it works, but it should be fun. He's only running that one race, so... Weird. Yeah, it's weird, but whatever. We'll start to see when qualifying is. I was just looking it up real quick to see. Uh... I mean, he talked about, you know, he's stepped away from rally before. And he basically just had an announcement, I think it was last week, that just he wants to be around his family more. Especially after seeing Ken Block pass away, he realized, like, oh, I should probably spend time with my family. Right. <laughs> Which you should. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, he doesn't really have anything to prove. No. He doesn't need any more money, probably. Nobody, No, nobody questions how good a driver is. he is. He's, he can step back and do choice events if he wants. Right. <clears throat> I apologize if you hear noises. My uh, neighbor next door bought a motorcycle today and is out in the driveway playing with it. So. Nope. Can't yeah. hear it. Because I can't and I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is it? It is a <laughs> probably, I'd guess, a 
early 2000s uh suzuki bandit 600 it's kind of the hmm. the sport tour style it has the full fa- has hmm. the fairing on it so it's basically the suzuki sport bike but with a fairing up top and upright bars so yeah it's okay. a, it's a neat bike I, I like the one they do a 600 and a 1200 and i'm excited for him to have the bike i just it's literally right outside the window that I'm recording is their driveway and I can I can hear it idling right now and revving a little so if you hear a couple quick revs it's probably what it is uh qualifying starts Wednesday all right so be a hell of an end of the week so Wednesday yeah actually Wednesday's yeah Wednesday sweet mm-hmm uh, let's see. A Super Bowl was yesterday, or excuse me, the big game, so we don't get sued. Well, hold on. Before we get off Daytona, okay. you get any predictions for a winner? Uh, no. Should I? No? I don't know. Do you? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say... I'm going to go Bubba Wallace. I'd love to see it. I think it's his I'd year. love to see it, but I don't think he's going to win the first race of the year. Um, All right. Uh probably it's going to be an I, I think let's see who won last year i don't remember now i think it's going to be a named normal driver it's not going to be a new get new name uh obviously i think that you're not too far off there bubble walls might have a good shot but i don't think it's going to be his year i think it's going to be somebody He's a pretty good super speedway driver no no question but i think it's gonna be somebody who we're used to seeing uh maybe a kyle bush uh, maybe, oh, is it Austin Dillon is the, or Chase, 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 Chase Elliott probably. I Listen, I'm, I'll go with my guy. I've always been, a, I'm a Chase Elliott fan, so I, I predict Chase I mean, Elliott. he'll be up there. He'll be in the top 10. Yeah. I'd say, I'd um, say Chase Elliott, or maybe even Denny Hamlin. Who knows? It's, yeah. Harvick's got a bunch of wins. I, it's, it's so hard to predict because I don't. Once qualifying is done, maybe we'll have better, better thoughts. But there's no, there's nothing to show what's happening yet. So I'll put uh, I'll put Chase up there for now and go from there. So who is the other track house drivers? Ross Chastain. Chastain. You have Suarez yep. and yeah, uh, could be could be a track house car. Actually, you know what we didn't talk about, about Suarez, but we didn't talk about last week. The news what? that NASCAR has kind of banned wall riding. Well, they talked about doing that after the race. Right, but they officially did it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would do it again anyways. Well, they wouldn't do it, but they basically said, don't do it again. But it's interesting because they didn't flat out ban just wall riding. They made it a very gray rule, which I don't like. They said if any driver does anything to gain position that they consider to be dangerous, it will be illegal. Yeah. It just seems too open. What do you mean too open? To be open to interpretation. Like anything NASCAR deems dangerous in order to gain a position is now illegal. Well, what, how how do you know what they're going to determine to be too dangerous? Oh, is it going to be most guys that do, crazy stuff no, but could they could they make a bump and run in the last turn well you hit him too hard now you've been pulled your victory's been pulled 
Oh, probably not. But like, if you if you cut the last corner of the road course, sure. at like a hundred without breaking, like a like a video game move, sure. Then yeah, that would be too dangerous. All right. Well, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But basically, the rule is was put in place to ban the wall ride that happened from happening in the future. So well, yeah. But the other thing, like. I mean, I could see they've had finishes like this at like Daytona where like guys get together sure, right before like the trial and like one of the cars is like scraping across the wall as it finishes. So like you, you wouldn't want to disqualify somebody for that. Well, no, but that's not a competitive advantage. Not necessarily their fault. But the person who put them into the wall, is it not going to be like, oh, you're disqualified because you put a guy into the wall to pass him? Well, I mean, they kind of do that already if you, they, they will find you if you. If you hit somebody really hard, that's sure. like clearly intentional. Uh, speaking of, I think Bubba Wallace had a hit like that last season. Yep. I forget who he put into the wall, but it was like it was the fight between on, him dude, and a bit. It was the fight between yeah. him and uh, oh number five. Who's number five? I ah, remember. he's the biggest freaking NASCAR driver. He won the championship two years ago. Uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle, Kyle, Larson. Carl Larson. Yeah, yeah. It was him and him and Larson had that that thing where they got together. So Yeah. I don't know. I mean I'm excited if NASCAR it's is kind of like Yeah, and I you know, they kinda you know, ten, fifteen years ago they were doing the pro wrestling thing, but kinda still do a little bit, but it's not as bad. Like there's no there's no reason for a driver to be a heel, right? Like that's just no. dumb. Like <laughs> I don't know. The guy, I don't know. A guy can just be a jerk on his own, I guess. Uh, yeah, look at or a cool person in the bushes. <laughs> yeah. Or Kyle Larson. <laughs> they do a pretty yeah. good job of making people hate him without trying very hard. <laughs> it is what it is. Or uh sometimes some Austin Dillon. Yeah, Austin Dillon. Will, yeah. He tries really hard for people to hate him. He has a reality show where people see Everything or a guy yeah. like, um, oh yeah, Kevin Harvick is just you know he's old and grumpy now, and he's like, he's old grumpy Kevin Harvick. <laughs> That's just who he's become. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm 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 excited to watch it again. I I do. I would like to see Bubba win. I'd like to see Chase Elliott win, but I like to see anybody but Kyle Larson win. How's that sound? All right. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll, I'll certainly have feelings towards the end of the race, and I'll have more feelings once I see how qualifying goes, and we can discuss it all in next week's episode. But... And honestly, if you want to get into it, if you're like, ah, oh, it's boring, you don't have to watch the whole race. Just watch the final stage. Yeah, I'd say the last three, the last quarter of the race is, if you're not going to be into the whole thing, that's the best to do. Watch the first yeah. 30, 40 laps, and then come back for the last quarter or so. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there'll be a big one. Yep. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. That's that's super speedway. That's what happens every time. Yep. Because they'll never get away from restrictor plate. Nope. But when the cars are too fast, there's, I mean, Bill Elliott did what, 212 mile an hour qualifying run, 89. So the cars. Yeah. And those cars were like. Come that far from 89. They'd probably be a 290 mile an hour qualifying run now. Maybe not that high. It'd yeah. be something dumb. So it's just it's too fast. So the bigger trigger plate racing forever on the super speedways. I saw something the other day, and I don't remember what year it was, but 
Bill Elliott was like the first driver to win over a million dollars in prize yeah. money in a season. Yeah. So he's he's a million dollar bill. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, he was the first awesome bill, awesome bill from Dawsonville, million dollar bill. Yeah, yeah, all 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 Crazy. of his nicknames, and that's that's part of the reason why I like Chase Elliott, obviously, because growing up with Bill Elliott being such a successful race car driver, it's hard not to want to vote for his his son to be up there as well. Plus, his son's a pretty down to earth, normal guy. Like he's not bad or good; he's just there, and I like that. Oh, he's good at road. He's courses. very good at road courses, which is also probably why I like him, just because he's. But I think it's I think it's funny because I don't think Elliot was Elliot's or nice. Bill Elliot was road courses. Absolutely, was? all right. He was overshadowed by Dale Earnhardt because Dale Earnhardt was really good at road courses, and all yeah. the drivers at the time were better. Wasn't Billy? It wasn't bad. Um, I mean, you had like Terry Labonte was a great road course driver. Uh, Dale Earnhardt was a great road course driver. There were, and there were so many people that used to come in just to do road courses too back then. They'd be like SCCA drivers. What I was still, what's what I still find remarkable, and what was cool, what makes the sport so cool is that you had drivers that went from the late fifties and sixties all the way into the eighties and nineties, and ni- and some of them made it to the nineties. Well, I mean, yeah. when did Richard Petty stop driving? Ninety three, ninety four. And his first victory was in yeah. like 1961 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And you had this and you had guys, you know, I, I bet uh, Dale Sr. had he not passed away, I bet he would have went till probably the mid 2000s. Oh, easily. He would have gone to the same kind of era that and that a lot of those guys went, a lot of the big names went. Let's see. I, I need to look right now at Richard Petty. Uh, Richard Petty's racing yeah, career was 1958 to 1992. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And then, like I, we've talked about this before, now all the guys who were top drivers when we were kids are now in the sure. booth, which is the same with and, with a lot and of now, yeah. And now a lot of the a lot of the guys that were coming up when we were younger are also starting to retire. So now you're getting into the like, or even have already retired the, in the booth, like Jeff Gordon. Like Jeff Gordon didn't start until the early nineties. Yeah. You know, I remember him yeah. being, he was the hated driver and loved driver. He was, there was, you either loved Jeff Gordon or you hated Jeff Gordon. And the old guard hated Jeff Gordon because he was this new kid who was coming in, had all the money for the big team and was winning California. all the races. Yeah, he was from California. He wasn't a good old boy. He was sometimes a little bit whiny about things. More so than some of the other drivers. But he was a really good driver and he was winning a lot and people hated him. But also he brought a ton of new fans to the sport when he came in because there are a lot of people who do care about the personalities a lot more and weren't going to be there to watch a 60 year old man race his car anymore. They wanted to see some new young blood out there. And that's what Jeff Gordon represented. I mean, to put it into perspective and apologies to my father for throwing his age out there, but my father was born in 1957 and that means that Richard Petty started racing when he was one years old and didn't stop racing until his son was 11. My father's son, me. Like, yeah. that is a, a a wild amount of time. So to, to think about the fact that this man started in basically jalopy race cars, like a stock car with 
like a stock car, a stock stock car, and finished in the era of wind tunnels is <laughs> just it's a it's a yeah. bizarre amount of time. I can't even I can't even fathom being doing doing that one thing, doing it so well, and being able to do it for let's do quick math. Eighty eight is thirty years, so thirty five years. That's crazy. It's kind of unprecedented in motorsports. It's like the only motorsport that old guys can still be competitive. Yeah. yeah. And that at the same time doesn't mean that it's not a physical sport because these guys still do need to be physical in order to be successful. And that's probably the reason he did retire <laughs> because he couldn't be competitive anymore. So I don't know. It's super cool. I'm into it. I love NASCAR again. No shame. For a while, people would say, oh, you like cars and you like racing? You'd be like, yeah, what about NASCAR? I'd be like, no, I don't like NASCAR. But I've stopped caring about that. I like NASCAR again. And it's fine. No, I like it again. It's cool. Absolutely. It's on every Sunday. It's easy to watch. Easy to watch, easy to get into. It's easy to follow. There's plenty of coverage. And once you the rules aren't yeah, weird, well, they're a little harder now than they used to be with the stages and everything. But once you get into it, there's passing. There's a lot of passing. Yeah. Which is the one thing we complain about, about F1. We can't figure out F1 because I don't, I'm sorry. I don't understand it. And I don't understand why people are into it. Well, it's, I mean, it's just like a thing to be it's into. It's funny because there are people who are genuinely into it, who have been into it since before the whole drive to survive thing happened. And those people, I am totally cool with being into it. But it's just like, I don't know if every town has the same issue that, you know, we had in Boston with the pink cats. You know, the Red Sox started doing good. The Celtics started doing good. The Bruins started doing good. The Pats started doing good all at the same time. And they started selling hats that were pink with their logos on it. And you'd be like, person in a pink hat, that was a new fan. And... I feel like there's a lot of that in F1 right now because of that TV show. But I also know there are people who like truly dedicated to F1 have been their entire lives and care about the minutia and the details and all that stuff that I can't be bothered with. And what blows my mind with that is I have the same argument for people who say NASCAR is boring. I say, well, you have to get into it. You have to understand. You have to know the strategy, know what's going on, know why it's going on. But even though that's the excuse I give for being into NASCAR, it's the same reason I don't like Formula One <laughs> because Formula One is all yeah, about the strategy. It's less about the actual on track stuff. It seems. I don't know all the details about endurance racing. I still enjoy it because the racing's sure. good. So I I call myself a casual motorsports enjoyer instead of the person that gets all obsessed over it. I think it has to know all the I details. I think my biggest thing with motorsports is I love looking at race cars. That's the thing. I like race yeah. cars and I like, I'm not necessarily like a super driver fan. I'm like, all right, who's out front and who's battling? Sure. And that's what I'm interested in. <laughs> and also part of my race car love is I like race cars that look like they were born from street cars. Whether they were or not is not important, but if it looks like it was, I'm more into it. NASCAR cars, full fenders are somewhat representative of something you'd see on the street. Formula One cars are just rocket ships with wheels. I don't just, it's just like we talk about GTP cars. I'm less into those than I am the GTD cars. 
because the GTD car is a Porsche. It's a Lamborghini. It's an Aston Martin. It's it's a representative. Corvette. That's a Corvette. It's a Ford GT. It's representative of a street car. It's representative of something that you could theoretically go out and buy and have obviously not the same experience with, but have that vehicle in your life. It's it's why both of us love 90s touring cars, because 90s touring cars were essentially street cars turned into race cars. I mean, they weren't because they were chassis and white, whatever, but, you know, there were panels in the car that you would unbolt and put them on your street car and they would work. Which, speaking of, Corvette had like their 25th anniversary of the modern Corvette team. Okay. They've been doing that 25 years, which is pretty crazy. Starting with what? The C4? Nope. The C5. C5 is 25 years old now? 1998. I guess. We had that same conversation about the new Beetle a few weeks back, right? Yep. So it's interesting because, you know, Corvette. (laughs) Yeah, Corvette had a long uh, history of racing before that, but they really didn't have huge success until the modern era. They've been like incredibly successful uh, with the from C five with the newer cars. Well, but also we just talked about street based race cars. The C five was the first Corvette that was truly considered to be a world class sports car. So when you start with a world class sports car, it's probably easier to make a successful race car, right? Yeah. I mean, there were some certainly some C three Corvettes that were like really good looking race cars, just not super successful all the time no they weren't as success- successful as the the Fords. but i don't know cool yeah, stuff cool. excellent anyway yeah. i think that's a podcast sure. my friend i like it all right cool so follow us uh on off topic podcast on facebook on off topic on instagram follow me on instagram erase the anger i'm also erase the anger on twitter Go to parkedintheblock.com. Uh, check out all the cars we're posting over there. Brad, you've been doing a ton of posting, which is awesome. I'm currently and unemployed, so. Go follow it. <clears throat> go follow it on Instagram, uh, Parked in the Block. There's also a Twitter for it, Parked on the Block, B L O C. Ran out of characters. And uh, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at that same place, obviously, at all of the social medias related to this podcast. And they can find me at TSISS350 on Instagram and DeSantis underscore Brad on Twitter. Um, I did just do two posts this afternoon on Parked on the Block. One of them is about a Volvo that has lost its engine. And what, it's, it was an impressive engine, which is why I wrote about it. And one of them is about a Infinity M30 that I'm a little salty about because I actually tried to buy and didn't quite pull it off. And now it's on an auction site somewhere at a time when I am not in the position to buy it. So, way whiny Brad. All right, cool. So anyway, as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. Mm-hmm.